From Seattle, Washington, I'm Zach Jabal, and this is Next Round, a VinePair podcast conversation. We're bringing you these conversations between our regular podcast episodes in order to examine how we move forward as a drink business following the COVID-19 crisis. Today, I'm talking with David Ramey. He's the founder and winemaker at Ramey Wine Cellars in California's Sonoma Valley. David, how are you doing? I'm doing okay, as, as well as can be expected. Yeah, that's about the 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 high model, high water mark for any of us these days. I feel like is uh, you know is pretty good considering. Uh, so so let's start with just a very simple question, um, I think, or a relatively straightforward one before we get into some of the messier stuff. Can you tell me a little bit about Remy Wine Cellars and your own history as a winemaker? Oh yeah, sure. Um, so I'm I'm fortunate uh, to have had an inspiration to become a winemaker because I don't know what I would have done otherwise. So. Studying wine at, at um, science at uh, Davis and um, making wine is all I've ever done as a grown-up, and um, it's just you know I mean it's a fantastic job choice if I can say so. Uh, I started oh well, so I got out of Davis with the masters in '79, uh, and then I worked with Muex in Palmerall and Bordeaux, and then Australia in a factory. And then assistant winemaker Giselma Long right here in Healdsburg um, at Simi for five years. And then, and then I replaced Mary Edwards at Matanzas Creek for five years and kind of grew that brand and helped build the winery. Uh, then back to France at Christian's invitation in 1989, 10 years later. And my uh, now wife of 30 years and business partner Carla and I were married there. Christian Mouex was kind enough to host our wedding. And uh, coming back, uh, Chalk Hill for six years, and uh, then Dominus for two. Uh, I was in, in charge of getting the building built and making the wine, getting the building built. And then I, I left to join uh, Les Rudd, uh, turned the Girard Winery into Rudd Estate. But uh, leaving Chalk Hill to go to Dominus was the opportunity to start our own brand with, with Chardonnay. We started with... Um, just 260 cases of Hyde Vineyard Chardonnay in 1996. And uh, we've grown so that now we're, we're about 35,000 cases. Uh, so we're in all 50 states and, and 28 foreign countries. And uh, I left Rudd after four years. So we've been independent since 2002 and full circle relocated uh, back here in Healdsburg. So we've been able to grow the business without partners or investors. My wife and I own it. And um, right now, there's no debt. We'll see what the future holds. Um, and our two kids, uh, Claire and Alan, at 29 and 27, they joined the company five, seven years ago. So they're uh, they're in line to, to take over at some point here. So there, there we are. That's the story. Gotcha. Well, I wanted you to to sort of establish that, not just because it's obviously uh, interesting and, and obviously there's a lot more detail that could be gone into just in your own uh, experience as a winemaker, but because I think that you know, it's important to establish, I think, that what, what the wine industry and the drinks industry and, and obviously all of us are in, in all walks of life are facing is in some ways unprecedented. But but obviously, if you've been a winemaker for for as long as you've been, and and even a you know specifically an owner of your own winery for nearly twenty years, in what way are you? Have you been able to kind of lean upon past experience um, in the same way, or maybe similar way that you would with with winemaking or or vineyards in a given vintage? If you see sort of an unusual, um, you know, I don't whatever it is, growing conditions or vintage, you you might have the that 
you know, experience that a, a newer winemaker might not have. Do you, do you feel like just kind of understanding the landscape of, of wine right now? Is that, is that something, is there some experience that you can draw on here or is this kind of unprecedented? Well, we, we had some uh, similar experience in the 08, 09 recession. And I still want to know where the, those economists were when now they're saying that the recession started in 07 because nobody told me that. So we were on track to have a record year for the first three quarters of 08. And then, and then the last quarter, it just fell off so that we were flat for 08. And then we were down 20% in 09. We started to come back in 10. And then by 11 and 12, we were pretty much back on track. So this is worse than that because that was a, a recession, but it didn't cause so many businesses to close. Now, for us, we're maybe, you know, 20% direct um, and then 10% export and then the balance 70 would be three-tier in the 50 United States. And of that percent, it's 60 to 70% on-premise, which is, which is restaurant. So when you guys, when the Tom Douglas group closes, you're not buying our wine. <laughs> and, it's true. And, and you know, it, it's just um, this, is, this, is, this has been so far – March, the, the, the effect on sales started in March. We were down a little. And then, and then April and May, you know, we're roughly half off. Now, for us, what needs to, and I'm, I'm, I'm always very frank. I, I, honestly, I've heard some other producers saying, oh, we're really good. We're no problem. I don't believe that for a minute. So the restaurants are starting to reopen some faster than, you know, Texas and Florida, a little faster than others. Here in Sonoma County, um, we're open for outdoor dining. But at, at the same time, you know, um, I mean, Hawaii is, you know, it's been shut down. Hawaii depends on tourism. And when they establish that anybody coming in has to self-quarantine for 14 days, that pretty much wipes out the tourism trade. I had I had a, a number of dinners and and, and trade lunches set up in Hawaii in April that just got canceled. Um, so, and we just, honestly, we just learned that our, our distributor in California and, and Hawaii chambers and chambers is, is laid off a number of, of, of the sales reps because they literally don't have the accounts to go visit. You can't, what can you do? And so we are waiting for, um, that segment of the market, the, the on-premise, the, the the restaurant business, to slowly come back. Now, it's still going to be slow because, I mean, let's take even Seattle, you know, your, your summer tourism business. Who, a, a lot of people are not really chomping at the bit to get on, go to an airport and get on a plane right now. Um, so I, I, I see... For Napa, Sonoma, the, the regional, the regional um, wine-producing areas in California, the Sierra Foothills, Paso Robles, Santa Barbara, Monterey, Carmel, Napa, Sonoma, we're going to be uh, much more reliant on, on um, local traffic, you know, some um, customers that are two, three hours away. And, and um, 
it's going to come back slowly is what's going to happen. It, it will come back, but it's going to come back uh, more slowly than the 08, 09 uh, recession did. Does this mean that you are making sort of decisions about allocating, I guess, resources? Like, in other words, are you thinking about for 2020, um, you know, making, it's hard to say making different wine, because I mean, I think, you know, you that's maybe not the right way to put it. But obviously, one of the things we're seeing in the wine industry right now is, is, you know, elevated demand, especially, you know, in, in terms of off premise accounts for less expensive wine for that sort of, you know, whatever grocery store tier, and, and pretty, um, you know, and, and just uh, ch- less demand, or at least not a growth in demand for higher end wine. And obviously, you know, uh, Remy Wine Cellars is not going to suddenly start making a $9 bottle of wine, I'm pretty sure. But but do you have to kind of think about the th- this landscape and, and say, hey, you know, we have to make wine that we can sell? Or is it just is the is the lag time such that by the time what's on the vine now is in a bottle and on a shelf? You just we don't know what it's going to be like. Like, how do you how do you approach that? Well, in, in two ways, there's two answers to your question. First is uh, part of our experience with the 08, 09 recession is um, you, you protect the front line in pricing. You protect the brand image. You don't just suddenly start discounting to move product because to move wine, move boxes, because if you do that, the customers always remember. And so this is a delicate dance that we're doing. So what's happening is at the other end, um, I had some one-year contracts, great contracts that I was trying out, and and we dropped those. And I said, I'm sorry, tough times are coming. We're just, you know, we're, we're not expanding. And, and so we're making less wine this year than, than we would have otherwise. And then I, I talked to uh, some of our long-term growers, and I said, look, you know, it's, it's not necessarily a possible profitability issue but it could become a cash flow issue if, if our, you know for three four or five months if our sales are significantly down can we can we look at extended payment terms and and the growers that I've talked to have, have agreed to that so instead of you know paying maybe in December we're maybe paying in March so just little accommodations um, so that's um, yeah that's where we are are you kind of talking about some of these challenges with other winemakers in the area? I mean, obviously, you know, when you're talking about vineyards that you're working with that, that aren't ones that you own, you're you're dealing with probably growers who sell to a number of different wineries. Like how, how much of a kind of uh, local level conversation is there about all this? So oh, I'm involved in a, in, a, in a political group, uh, 20 of us, some growers to wineries to affect county politics. And uh, one of them, key growers, members of that. We were talking about it two months ago and said, no, I haven't. He said, I, no, I had a couple of small growers, you know, small wineries. They, they just, they were five ton people. This is a relatively large grower, five tons. They said, I, I, I can't, I can't pay you. I can't. I, so, but otherwise they haven't. Subsequently, uh, last week I received two emails, one from a winery who was under contract to that same grower for 50 tons of Chardonnay saying, you know, would you, would you be interested in any of this Chardonnay that we're under contract for? Uh, there's a, you know, a couple of hundred dollar ton discount over what we were paying. And then from another grower around the corner from us, you know, Hey, 
interested in grapes. A lot of, lot of grapes for sale uh, offers these days. A lot. There was a, there, there was a, there was a bit of a, a bubble or an excess uh, moving into this pandemic. Um, Eighteen was a big crop, and so and and, and you know, ag, all ag business is cyclical. There's boom and bust periods. There's some years where you can't get grapes to save your life if you if you're looking. In other years, people are calling you up. There's about every seven years they say the cycle is in the wine business. So we were kind of entering that cycle before this pandemic and thus the closing of all the restaurants uh, made it worse. So does that mean, you know, from your sense of it, is that is is where does that where does that grape or grape sort of does that juice end up? Does it end up in bulk wine? Does it end up? Do I mean, are there people who, you know, whether it's Ramey or otherwise, who are positioned to grow production this year? Or is it just kind of, is there just sort of a, I mean, I, I hope it's not what we see. And, you know, we saw some of during, you know, this, this period of time where things are, you know, food product is literally being dumped down the drain or, or basically, you know, composted or whatever but but what does what does happen to all this uh material great material that people can't take in if they if they just don't have the money so there's different levels in the north coast i'm not aware of any vineyards being ripped out i have read that for example in the overall in california which would mean you know uh, madera fresno bakersfield that vineyards are being ripped out and, and probably replanted to almonds or something like that. So the, the Central Valley is is the place where you see vineyards coming out. Here, um, there were unharvested grapes last year, both in, in, in Napa and Sonoma. So that's the next step is, is okay, you then sell the grapes. A step up from that is then the grower makes um, custom crushes and makes bulk wine for sale. And then what you can imagine, if you remember the Cameron Hughes business model of taking advantage of available bulk wine in the market, the next step is that you will see out of this new brands that you never heard of showing up at Costco, at, at, uh, at Trader Joe's, at Safeway, at Albertsons, at, at the stores um, that are basically bulk wine. Somebody took a loss on that. The only person who makes a, a profit on, on that model is the, is the bottler. Buy the bulk wine at, at 5 to $10 a gallon. You, you spend $25 a, a case to finish and bottle it, and then you sell it, and you, and you might make a, a 25% cost of goods margin, maybe 50 if you're lucky. And um, you'll see more of that for a while. And then, you know, the supply will will shrink, demand will grow, and we'll go on to the other end of the cycle. Gotcha. Another question for you kind of about what's happening in and around um, Healdsburg. You know, you mentioned that uh, some local restaurants are slowly being able to reopen with some, you know, with outdoor seating, I think, exclusively at this point. At this point, yes. Is I mean, this is a hard question. I know you're not a restaurateur, so it's just asking you because you're in the area. Is there a lot of demand or is it still, are most people kind of, uh, I, for lack of a better word, afraid to, to go eat in public? I, I think there's a little of both. Um, I, I, uh, what I read, for some reason, Napa was able to open with even interior dining. 
a week before us with exterior dining has to do with the county house official in each county, um, as well as with the governor, with the state. But um, I, I've seen uh, I've seen Willie's uh, Seafood and Raw Bar here in town with with people busy. You know, I've, I've seen Healdsburg Bar and Grill with people busy. Um, the a lot of people are are still doing takeout from restaurants. You know, it's like same same kind of thing. A couple of nights a week, it's just, oh man, I don't want to. The news was too depressing today. I don't, <laughs> don't want to cook. Uh, That's more so than like, a couple nights a week these days. Yeah, a couple of nights a week, and so yeah, we picked up from from um, one of our regulars, Bocce Restaurant uh, here in here in Healdsburg last night. So that's been going on, and and keeping those restaurants that have been open in business, uh, not as fulsome as before. And then if they can open at at you know with the tables six feet apart, um, that helps out too. The takeout's still going to be going on for those customers who don't want to come in into the restaurant. But I read that people who were, you know, when, when Napa opened, that people were driving over from Sonoma or, you know, or down from Sacramento to eat in Napa restaurants. So I think there is a pent up demand. For sure. I think this is kind of the the last specific question I have, because it's, I feel like it's just a, a difficult one to, or it's an open-ended one, I guess. So we'll see. But, you know, do you have any, any advice, I suppose, or or just thoughts about what what you might be doing that you that you want to share? Because I think you know, again, like I said, one of the reasons I really wanted to to speak with you is just you know, not only are you um, you know, have have a, a lot of experience in winemaking, but also I think just in general a, a sort of a thoughtful winemaker. You know, for people whether they're in California, other parts of the of the country, or even just other parts of the trade, you know what what if anything can you can you recommend to people that they do to sort of position themselves uh for the next uh, i mean it's hard to say time span but you know the next year maybe pay down your debt don't spend more money than you need to pair expenses <laughs> it's it's time to be conservative folks really conservative um and you don't want to be saddled with with a lot of debt um right now at all. And you want to avoid spending money that you don't have to. We have, we have, we started out two months ago asking our sales team to take a crude vacation at full pay. And then just recently they, they went to half pay because, you know, they're sort of, is they're essentially working out of their house where they can stay in touch with their customers, you know, their distributors via email and, and phone, but they can't travel. They can't. They can't call on accounts. So, so there's a step that we that we took, um, and, and you know eventually it'll come back. We haven't laid anybody off. Other wineries, I can tell you, uh, have large larger wineries than us with multiple outlets and a, and, a, and a big showy tasting rooms. I mean, I heard you know relatively large premium group laid off you know seventy people. Uh, three months ago between Oregon, Napa, and Sonoma. So uh, we're, we're, Carl and I, Carl and I have always, I've always, we've always, you know, I've worked for wealthy people who think that employees are interchangeable. Whereas Carl and I always felt that we are lucky that our team has chosen to lend their energy to our project. And we've got people 18 years, 15 years, 12 years, 10. Our newest employees just just 
two of them just passed their four-year, just this Friday and and Monday, passed their four-year anniversaries. So we're not laying anybody off until things get really bad, and and we're not there yet. And so we just keep kind of trying to basically kind of limp along in a way and, and, and make do get by until things start to come back a little bit. Excellent. Well, David, I really appreciate your time. I know these are obviously uh, challenging and and complicated and and hard to <laughs> hard to kind of uh, God, it's almost hard to fathom times. But but it's 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 nice to get your insight and your input. And and I certainly just on a personal level look forward to uh, getting a chance to visit again when uh, when some of this is behind us. And uh, and I know that uh, for for all of those listening, you know, just being able to do something that seems so simple, like sit down in a restaurant and have a bottle of wine is uh feels like something that we're all we're all eager for (laughs) thanks zach we'll look forward to seeing you down here or back in seattle remember i was born in seattle so we like to come up there every now and then (laughs) well we'd love to have you all right thank you thanks so much for listening to the vine fair podcast if you enjoy listening to us every week please leave us a review or rating on itunes stitcher spotify or wherever it is that you get your podcasts it really helps everyone else discover the show now for the credits. Vinepair is produced and hosted by Zach Jabal, Eric Adusi, and me, Adam Teeter. Our engineer is Nick Patry and Keith Beavers. I'd also like to give a special shout out to my Vinepair co-founder, Josh Mallon, and the rest of the Vinepair team for their support. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again right here next week.